are listening to Afraid Not Podcast with Jill McCormick and Robin Wall. We believe that our stories matter and make us who we are. Every other week, we invite guests to join us and share their stories. Even though our stories have not, we are not afraid. Our stories have phrase, they are not perfect. We believe the truth of our mess makes us stronger. We hope that God uses these stories to encourage and strengthen your faith as you trust in Him. Our theme verse is Colossians 1.17, which says, And He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together, even our frayed knots. Hello, podcast listeners. I'm Jill McCormick. And I'm Robin Wall. And this is Afraid Not Podcast. You are listening to episode number 122 today with a lifetime friend of mine named Tammy Jensen. We've known each other since seventh grade, you guys, and um, so many fun memories through the years of seeing Tammy, just an outgoing, very friendly, fun girl, a strong believer in the Lord, and very talented cheerleader. And she was just one of those people that made a big difference in our school with her leadership and the way that she included other people. And Tammy has an amazing story to tell us that she would probably never have guessed would be her story. She would never have expected that this would be her journey. And she has faithfully been walking with the Lord through um, and finding joy, finding joy in her journey. So. Jill, tell us a little bit about what we're going to hear. So Tammy's going to talk about having a child with special needs, um, a lifelong situation that they're going to have her for their for her whole life, and what that looks like and what that means as a parent and walking through um, the fear of that and then the joys of it. And it's just really an amazing story. You are going to love this. So everyone, just listen in. Hi, Tammy. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hello. It's so good to be here. We are so thankful that you are on Afraid Not. And um, I have known you since we were in seventh grade at Hefner Junior High and then on to PC North. But um, our listeners don't have the joy of knowing you, so a lot of them probably don't. And I'd love for you to just introduce yourself to the listeners. Well, um, Tammy Jensen. I live in Oklahoma City. I have, um, I've been married to my husband for 29 years, um, but we have been together as a couple for, I think, I think in this November, believe it or not, it's going to be 35 years that we've been together. Um, I bought my husband in a bachelor auction in high school. (laughs) He was a sophomore and I, um, I was a sophomore. He was a senior and um, I bought him for $49 and <laughs> he says he's been paying ever since. Um, <laughs> so um, we uh, li- really started our relationship just on a whim um, of just, you know, oh, let's uh, go out on a date um, after the bachelor auction. Let's kind of see how it works. And we've been together ever since. We've never broken up. Um we went to separate colleges. He went, uh, he played football out at Southwestern in Weatherford. And then I graduated a couple of years later and went to Oklahoma state. Um, 
which I think was a great thing for us because we were able to live um, separate lives in college and do our own things, but still be together and come back together on weekends, whether that was watching his football games or him coming to Stillwater, or whatever it was. It was, um, I think it was good and it built a strong foundation for us in our relationship. Um, so we got oh, married. Tammy, I want to interject something fun. While John was at Southwestern, right, where my husband, who was just my boyfriend at the time, was also a student. And so they were friends. And we had a fun opportunity as a double date to go to the Christmas dance. So listeners, it's so cute. We have a picture of us. We are like babies in the picture. <laughs> Um, very much so. The gray was not even, I, there was no thought of gray back then, you know? Um, so, um, and you know, it's, and John always says that I think Chris and John were one of the two of the few believers out there in Weatherford while they were going to college. And so I think they kind of depended upon each other a little bit back then, even though John was a football player and Chris was playing tennis. So, um, yeah, so we go way back and our husbands go way back together too. It's kind of it's kind of fun. Pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so I went to Oklahoma State. Um, I graduated from Oklahoma State and he was already in Oklahoma City teaching at PC North. He went back to his alma mater and started teaching. And we got pregnant four months later after we <laughs> married. Um and had a wonderful um baby boy and then uh, John decided to, he wanted to coach in college. So we moved to Sterling, Kansas and coached at Sterling College, where we had our daughter, um, Hannah Grace, and she was born with um, two very rare syndromes. One is Wolf-Hirschhorn syndrome and one is Dandy Walker malformation of the brain. We only know one other um, uh, child that with, has both of those syndromes combined. So mind repeating um, what those syndromes are yeah. one more time. Um, the first one is Wolf Hershorn, which is a deletion of the fourth chromosome. And then the other one is Dandy Walker malformation of the brain, which is a cyst on the fourth ventricle um, that sits towards the back of your spinal column or the brain and connects your, um, at the cerebellum, makes your cerebellum small, which controls like gross motor and coordination and those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. So we were in rural Kansas, um, having a child with multiple disabilities. Um, we were metaflighted to um, Kansas City Children's Mercy Hospital for five weeks where we lived there and cared for her. And, um, and I'll tell you part of our journey um, a little later in regards to Hannah, because there's a lot more to that story that we'll kind of, I'll go into more details. But we were up there. Um, we decided after living in that rural Kansas and driving, you know, three and four hours to doctor's appointments that we needed to move closer to a children's hospital. So we moved to um, Alabama, Mobile, Alabama, where John was coaching at a school down there and had a wonderful time, met amazing people. And then he wanted to be a head coach. So then we moved to Cocoa Beach High School in Florida, lived right on the beach. It was fabulous. And then he got a call from a school that was starting a football program in Florida just one island over Merritt Island Christian School, and we moved to Merritt Island Christian School. Um, after that, um, we moved back to Oklahoma because our son was starting in middle school, and we thought, oh, you know what? The grandparents need to see Matt grow up, and we also needed help with Hannah. So we moved back. He coached at PC West. I taught at PC West, and then that's, that's when- That's my alma mater. Oh, go Patriots. And then that's when Robin and 
Chris and I reconnected because we started um, attending Council Road Baptist at that point because we called Chris and we said, where's the best um, youth program in the state or in the city? And he said, Council Road, no doubt. And we did. And our son was connected immediately. And so we were there for several years um, and we've been in the city ever since then. So I think this is your we're going on year 16 back in Oklahoma City um, returning back home. And then while we were at PC West, um, our son Malcolm came into our lives. And so we, um, he started becoming part of our lives and our trips and our family. And so um, our third child came into our life later on, um, but he's been such a blessing. And now we have a grandbaby because of him, which is the best thing ever. Isn't it so fun? It's so fun. Um, So that's kind of our story. Um, I'm I've been, I was at Crossings Christian School for seven years and I just stopped working a year ago um, to take care of my parents. Um, my mom was put into memory care at a very young age um, a year and a half ago and my dad moved in with us with Parkinson's and dementia. So he lives with us in, re- in addition to our daughter. So that will live with us full time. So forever and ever. Um, so that's kind of our life in a nutshell. It's been a journey <laughs> to say the least. Um but we're all in on this journey right now. Um, so Tammy, I just have to say, I mean, truly you are, and I know you, you're not trying to like say, pat me on the back. I know you, you are just as humble as possibly can be, but I just have to say, I just am amazed at what an amazing woman you are and a mom. And I know John is an amazing dad. I think that you all have been an amazing example of parenting and loving your children in every season and through through the kinds of roller coaster ups and downs that you would never have expected, which I guess parenting is full of ex- unexpected <laughs> ups and downs, but yes. I think you've been on like the tilt-a-whirl extreme. So I just want to tell you, um, I'm really grateful that you're going to share with us. And I also just want to say you're an amazing example. Thank you. It's a, I, you know, for a long time, I thought it was me. I'll be honest, you know, that I was the one that was kind of, well, Hannah's the way she is because, and um, I finally realized when I finally had to say no to things or say, um, I can't do this anymore, that God's in complete control of my life. And I could not do any of this. And Hannah would not be who she is today. And my sons would not be who they are today without Christ. And even though you live as a Christian and you think you're doing those things, it sometimes takes you to step back and realize, oh, you had no control in this. You know, you, you were just real. I'm a really big control freak in general. (laughs) I just, I like to be in control and, you know, God just has to remind me sometimes that he is the one in control. And I think I've been working on that lately, probably for the past couple of years. Um, just, realizing that I cannot take credit for any of this. Um, he, he gave me the gifts and talents to do this and the wisdom at time, you know, when I needed his wisdom, but I could not do any of this without him. Did you know before Hannah was born, what would be facing you when she was delivered? We knew a little bit. So um, we went in for our first ultrasound and, you know, ultrasounds way back then, tw- she just turned 25. So- 
Oh, ultra sounds way back then. We're not right. very good. Let's say that. <laughs> In fact, we just put, we've been going through old tapes and we just put Max ultrasound on and we were like, how could they even tell if it was a boy or a girl back then? Like it was just scratchy and just grainy. And we're like, wow. So if they, Hannah's was only three years later. So how did they see things? And so we went in for our first ultrasound and you see the tech kind of look at you and say, I'm going to go get the doctor. Well, when it's your second child, you mm. know, something's going yeah, on. If they're, yeah. If they're going to go get the doctor. So they got the doctor and the doctor looked at it and he said, she has spina bifida, which was completely not the case. So they referred us to maternal fetal medicine in Wichita and we started going for ultrasounds there. So we had 13 ultrasounds in Wichita every single time they told us that we needed to abort. So we were told to abort 13 times. Um, by the time we hit 13, John finally said, do not say it one more time. We will not abort this baby. Um, and and yeah, remember that's in conservative Kansas. You know, I mean, we're in the mid nineties, conservative Kansas. That right. is very rare for some, a doctor in that situation to say to abort, but they were adamant about it. So John was adamant back. He was that protective father and dad and husband that stepped up and said, we're not doing this anymore. Mm. Um, so at that point they told us it was an encephalocele, which is a cyst on the outside of the skull. So she basically had a hole in her skull and the cyst was growing outside the skull. So we had, our prayer was that the cyst would be closed. That's what our prayer was. I mean, that the skull would be closed and so we, um, that was our continued prayer, just close the skull, close the skull. So when, um, we could not deliver naturally because, um, or vaginally because they thought the cyst was too big for the, um, birth canal. So we did a C-section and lo and behold, she comes out with no skull issues at all. There was no hole in the skull. And, um, so she was doing really well. And so we thought, Oh my gosh, praise God. I mean, he answered our prayers. He closed her skull, which we know he did. Um, so we did know something was off in from the ultrasounds, but we didn't know any idea what to expect. Um, so once she was born and she was doing okay for a little bit, and then within 24 hours, she just plummeted. And so they had to metaflight her from Wichita to Children's Mercy in Kansas city, we had the option of either Oklahoma city, Denver, or Kansas city. Um, our first choice was actually not Oklahoma city, um, because our family was here and this sounds terrible, but we knew we would be bombarded that John and I could not focus our energy on our child and mm -hmm. um, that we would have visitors all the time. We would think people need to visit us all the time. And that's not what we needed to focus on. We needed to focus on us and her and that's so good that you just knew that. Cause I think most people would be like, well, that's where my family is. So that's where we'll go. But you just knew you needed. Yeah, we just knew. And, and, you know, I, I think from the very beginning, um, John and I's prayer was for, to continually give us wisdom. That was because you're having to make such rush decisions without any education at all. I mean, there's multiple times that we had to do that. And I think giving us wisdom and knowing those things in an instant like that, that was where his hand was upon us was because you're not in a state of mind to make wise choices. Let's, I mean, I, you know, postpartum, first of all, you know, your, your hormones are going crazy. You have a child that might not survive. Your other child is back home with the grandparents. 
you know, you're just all over the place. And, um, so literally our prayer was after she was born, just give us wisdom, give us wisdom, give us wisdom. Um, and how old was Mac at this time, Tammy? He was three, exactly three. His birthday is four days before hers. Um, so he, you know, we would be able to talk to him, but we didn't have FaceTime or any of that back then. Um, my sister brought him to us once, um, flew up with him and let us visit up there. And he got to meet Hannah. And, and that was after all the tubes came out and everything. Um, so just giving us the wisdom to make those decisions was so important. So we, um, she was put on a experimental treatment back then called nitrous, nitrous oxide treatment. So she was producing too much carbon dioxide. Um, now it is a standard across the United States, nitrous oxide treatment. And she was part of that. It's just it's so, so cool to see how just her little part play or, you know, played a little part in, in other people's lives. And um, so we were in Kansas city for five weeks. Um, the nurse that was with us, which we loved, she told both of our parents that they need to have a conversation with us to go ahead and pull Hannah's plug. Um, oh, and so just to, our parents didn't tell us till after the fact, after she was discharged that, um, but they just thought, you know, her life was just going to be nothing. Um, the geneticist told us that we might get a year with her. If we get more than a year, it would be a vegetable type state that she would live in. Um, and back then, you know, they were, they didn't know. I mean, yeah. you know, medicine in 25 years has, I mean, it's amazing what they can do now. Um, other parents with one of her syndromes literally know within a day where we had eight weeks before we knew the exact um, diagnosis. So it's medicine has changed um, a lot since then. And, but I think it also gave us time to sit and think and journal and pray because it's all we did was sit up there with her all day long. And I still have my journals um, of just prayers and um, praises and people that came and prayed for us. And, you know, it's FCA's um, headquarters are in Kansas City. So someone reached out to FCA and said that we were there and they came up to the hospital and prayed with us. And it was just a really neat time for us. Um, John's one of John's childhood friends is a physical therapist and was in Kansas city at the time. And she came up just to check out Hannah and just to see, um, how she was doing. And so it was, um, it was hard, (laughs) you know, pumping and walking to the Ronald McDonald house and, um, just, like I said, hormones. And I did have a little bit of postpartum, of course, um, sure. a C-section. Yeah. Um, so I was flying 36 or 48 hours after I had Hannah, I flew to Kansas city. Uh, John drove and I flew and not with Hannah. They wouldn't even let us go with Hannah. Um, so it's crazy. John had to take my staples out at the hospital because we were in another city and doctors wouldn't take me because I wasn't their patient. So they gave him a staple and I laid down and they, he took my staples out. It's just things like that, that you don't think about when you're in those. That's insane. I had cesareans too. That is insane to think about. He's very, he thinks he's MacGyver because he did it, you know, (laughs) (laughs) um, but it's just things like that. You don't think about, you know, no sleep. Um, pumping all day long. And then what do you do with the breast milk and just things you just, it's just a, it's a whirlwind. Um, and I don't know how we got through it, 
but we did um, by the grace of God and by giving, I mean, putting everything that we had at that point and everything we knew, um, we just said, we're turning it over to you. You know, we're just going to take this child and we're going to raise it just like our other kid. And we're going to do the same things. We're going to do the same experiences. We're going to pray for her the same way we pray for Mac. Um, we were just weren't going to deny her life is what we weren't going to do. And I think that's, it's easier said than done. Um, I will say that, but if you just kind of, you look at the joy, um, obviously, um, when the Bible speaks about, you know, trials and tribulations on the other side, you're going to find joy. And that's what we've done. Um, so, and Robin, you know, Hannah, but every day is joy for her and she doesn't understand the trials and tribulations, but we see it and we see the joy on the other side. She's just full of love. Oh. She loves everyone. Everyone. <laughs> yeah. She, the fact that she speaks, of course, would have just astounded those doctors who told you. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. All these things. But Hannah's first, the first thing I remember Hannah ever saying to me was, I love you. Yep. She tells everybody that. And, you know, you can really see someone's heart by the way that they respond back to Hannah. Um, you know, obviously some people have never been around a child with differences, um, with special needs. And so when she goes to talk to you or hugs you and, you know, it kind of freaks people out sometimes because she's very open with her hugs and, um, or high fives or hellos or whatever it is, it kind of just, um, they just don't know how to take it. And, you know, but they've, they, you know, their heart is like, not sure how to do this or, maybe not a loving heart. Um, but it's interesting to see people's responses to her. Mm -hmm. So what was that like going through that pregnancy, knowing that there was something going on enough that the doctors were saying these things to you, but not knowing exactly what this was going to look like? How did you prepare for that? I will say I went into probably a pretty deep depression for the first, I mean, I'd say for a good solid week, you know, my parents came up and kind of took care of Mac. I stayed in bed a lot because you don't know how to respond. You know, it's, um, that's all new. You know, you have these expectations as a mom for your children. You're going to be pregnant for nine months. Your child's going to be healthy. You're going to have a great, you know, the delivery is going to be great. And then, you know, there's, then there's expectations of, oh, they're going to sit up, then they're going to walk, then they're going to do this. Well, what John and I realized is we have to change our expectations. You know, um, my example is that your children are on a yardstick starting at zero to 36, and they're going to be on that yardstick somewhere. Some of your, you know, Mac is at a 36, you know, he's a doctor and he's at a 36. Well, Hannah's never going to be close to a 36, but she's still on the yardstick. You know, she's still there. She still has something to give. Um, but it was, it was difficult. I'll say I went through a pretty deep depression and then I literally just popped out of it. I think I just needed to mourn and, um, for a little bit and mourn the understanding that my child was not going to be as we expect it to be. And then once that hit, we were, we were okay. We were good. Um, and I think that's when we started to you know, say those prayers of the realizing what do we need to pray for? What do we need to pray for specifically? Um, and that's where the closing of the skull came in. Once we started going to those doctors and 
hearing what they were saying and praying for Mac as a brother, you know, like that's how is your child going to respond to this? Um, and I would say, I'd, love, I'd love to say that that's one of the things that's so uh, endearing about your family. It is so obvious. I mean, Mac would take a bullet for Hannah in a heartbeat. Yes. So much. And I think that the love that as a big brother, he loves her more than any other sister he would have. You know what I mean? She is. Oh, yeah. And there's no other Hannah. No. And I think that that comes from us just treating her like anything else, anybody else. You know, we just treated her like we treated him when he was a child. We, yes, we have expectations for him too, but our, we have expectations for Hannah now too. And we had expectations back then. We weren't just going to let her sit in a bouncy seat all day long and just stare at the world. We let her be a part of it. And um, we were so blessed to be at Sterling college where there were, we lived in a girl's dorm. I was a resident director. And so Mac was surrounded by college girls that just treated him and like a king and loved on him and poured into him. And then we had a coaching staff that did the same thing. And it was just, I mean, amazing. We, Hannah, when she was eight weeks old, we came home for the first time back to Oklahoma and something just wasn't right. You know, I just could tell something wasn't right. And, but our families had wanted to meet her for the first time. So we let them meet and then I could just tell. So I, she started turning very white and pale. Well, John was in Nebraska coaching a football game. And, um, so I rushed her to children's mercy. One, thank goodness we were home in Oklahoma city. God completely provided for us because Mac was taken care of. And, um, but two, that I had family support when John was away. If we were in rural Kansas where we were living, just to get to a hospital that could take care of her was Oklahoma City. Um, so we're talking three hours away. We were already there. Um, just God's provision for us every step of the way. Um, but so John's coaching, I call um, up to that college that he was coaching against. The athletic director found him. And I told him not to tell him what was going on until after the game, but he went ahead and told him anyway. He coached the game, and then one of the students from the college, not I mean, that was just there to watch the game, drove him all the way from Nebraska back to Sterling to get his car. And John said it was like Dukes of Hazard. He said he was driving so fast. They never got stopped. But just little things like that, we look back and just see God's hand in every step of the way through this whole process. Wow. Yeah. And so those doctors had told you that she might have a year, maybe. Yeah. And now she's 25, 25. We just kept saying, but God, but God, but God. Um, and our phrase is live life like Hannah and, um, but God. And so he just, he just has a lot for her to tell. He has a story for her to tell pretty precious to watch. Um, she's pretty famous on TikTok, believe it or not. She has a TikTok page and she's quite famous. And, um, well, I say quite fair. She has like 45,000 followers. Yeah. And, you'll have to give that to us and we'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. And, um, like one of her TikToks has 8.3 million views. I mean, she's, um, but the thing that we keep hearing from people, John was pretty hesitant about putting her out there. 
but what we keep hearing from people is um, she brings so much joy. I can't tell you how many times we've heard that from people and what a platform it is for us to share um, her with other people, but share our journey in Christ with other people. And um, there's one of her taking John's the Bible and starting to read, which she can't read, but she thinks she's reading the Bible. And um, it's just so cute to watch her understand what the Bible is. And, um, you know, when she prays, um, she prays specifically for things now, which we would have never thought in a million years she would pray for, you know, she prays for wings. She prays for cheerleading. She prays for me a lot. I guess I need Jesus a lot. (laughs) Um, but I get prayed for a lot and my niece, Ella gets prayed for every night and we're not sure why, but she's praying for specific things and it's just beautiful to watch and to see and for other people to experience that too. So all of those, um, the doctors who said she will not walk, she will not ever be able to, you know, have conversation. She will not be toilet trained. All of these things she has overcome of the the hurdle after hurdle and um she is walking and and running and doing cheer right and yeah we just don't stop her and one if we did not fill her time i would probably go insane john and i would literally go insane because she literally asked for us to go bye-bye every time she turns around bye-bye bye-bye school bye-bye school bye-bye cheerleading um And so we have to fill her time so that we don't go crazy. Um, So she's involved in um, special needs cheer squad. It's called cheer abilities. I'm actually coaching. It's my second year this season to coach her, which is very fun. Um, She does track special Olympics track. She does um, dance through aspiring abilities. Um, And so she's very, very involved. Um, and then she goes to wings, her day program every day, um, Monday through Thursday, nine to four, and then Fridays from nine to one. And what's really neat about that program is they're not just focused on the skills for those adults. They are focused on those adults giving back to the community. So they have hundreds of partnerships with nonprofits and churches across the metro area from filling, making um, hygiene kits for people on SNAP benefits that they don't get those things, you know, um, cleaning kits, they do homeless um, kits, they um, color notes for the police and the fire department and meals on wheels. They ever, the rock in Oklahoma city, I don't know if you've heard about them, but they do meals for their services. Um, These adults that have, were told that they can't do anything are doing miraculous things in our community more than, a lot of other people doing for our community um, and they were brushed aside, you know, but someone saw a vision for these people to do more and they can do more. And I think that's, what's amazing is that we've never told her no mm-hmm. in regards to what she can do and can't do. Um, we just give her opportunities and just put her out there and then just support her along the way. Mm-hmm. And she loves performing, doesn't she? Oh, she is quite the performer. Um, both all my children actually are quite the performers and John and I are not. So I'm not sure where they got it from. Um, John's probably more a performer than I am, but yeah, all three of my children are great performers and they love the attention and the spotlight. So yeah. 
Can I ask how to, because you said Malcolm came to be just kind of, so I'm assuming he's not, is he a biological child or? No, he is, he was one of our students um, that we, um, he was a football player for John and in my student council class at PC West. And we um, just, his family circumstances um, were not normal. And so we just kind of took him in and he just became part of our family. Um, he got married a year ago. And one of the most beautiful things at the, we were in Colorado, very just family um, at the wedding and Mac got up to speak at the reception. And he said, you know, Malcolm's been in my life longer than he's been out of my life. And I can't imagine any other way. And it just, as a mom, yeah, it just brought tears to my eyes because they have a very special bond too. And, um, Mac and Malcolm and, uh, it's really, really cool to watch Mac gain a brother when he's had a sister that's been so hard. Um, yeah. this relationship has been so beautiful and so easy for it to happen. And it's just been, it's been such a blessing. Mm -hmm. That's what are, I would love for you to tell us some of the, some of the joys that might surprise people that you're like, you would never believe how wonderful this is about <laughs> this being Hannah's mom. But also after that, I would also like for you to tell us what are some of those things that have been the opposite of easy that you've just had to hold on tight to the Lord to even make it through? Well, I think it's um, a double-edged sword, you know? So for example, Hannah finally potty trained was a huge joy for us. You know, I mean, she was probably, oh gosh, I'm thinking it was in elementary school, but it was probably, she was probably nine or 10 years old when she finally became potty trained. And, you know, being able to take diapers, not to have to have a diaper bag with you. We still take them with us because in case of accidents, but just knowing that she can tell us to go to the restroom, you know, using sign language to go to the restroom, um, at home, she just goes by herself, you know, she's just, but when we're out and about for her to be able to communicate and tell us her needs is such a blessing for us. Um, but on the other hand, we're still having diapers. We're still changing diapers. She's, um, she doesn't have bowel control in that. Um, her syndrome has major constipation issues. So we're giving her an enema every other day just to have a bowel movement. And, you know, so your husband that shouldn't having to change your daughter's diapers at 25 is still changing diapers at 25. So it's, a, you know, it's a double-edged sword there that you're so thankful she's doing it. But then we have another side that's, um, you know, we're still doing it. <laughs> um, so potty training was big for us. Um, right now, I would say her independence in um, eating. I know that sounds really strange, but she is all soft food. So she doesn't chew any of her food, um, but she can go to the refrigerator, get a bowl, get the cottage cheese out or get a pudding. She knows what she wants and she can do it independently. And it's just you know, I'm not having to sit over the top or having to do everything for her. Now I still have to prepare a main dish for her, you know, but she can go pick that out. I'll say, Hannah, go pick it out. Um, but like I said, once she picks that out, I'm still having to mash it. I'm still having to chop it up. I'm still having to do all that. But just to see her face and that independence of being able to do those things oh, as a mom, it's just, it's huge. It's, huge. it's a big deal as a mom to see her 
independent. I would say socially her having friends, um, is a joy to watch. Um, you just never know if it's going to happen. And, and she doesn't have tight relationships. You know, she does, she's not sitting on the phone like normal girls and having conversations, but when she sees a friend, her, she lights up, you know, she just, Oh, I know that person. I know that I'm friends with them. Um, it's just a really beautiful thing to watch that. And any 25 year old wants to have some sort of companion and she's starting to get those. So that's really nice. Um, she doesn't want to be with her parents. I mean, what 25 year old wants to be with her mom and dad all the time? None, no one does. <laughs> and she is definitely a typical 25 year old in that she doesn't want to hang out with us all the time. Um, it's so that's, we're glad that she's quote unquote normal in those areas, you know, um, but it is difficult too, that she doesn't have those friends and she's not going to have those tight relationships. Um, her just, um, I, this is a weird one, but we went to the mall this week to get a bra for her and to actually get her size for a bra, which we, you know, you think about doing that as a preteen and starting to do that as a teenager. And finally we're out of the sports bras and we got to get a real bra. And she handled it beautifully. <laughs> I mean, it was just, I was so nervous and I was anxious about it and she just did great. And just little things like that just bring such joy, um, mm -hmm. to me as a mom, um, seeing her relationship with her brothers. is just, it's one of the most beautiful things you'll ever see. Um, and she loves Malcolm, loves him to death. And Mac will say Malcolm is the favorite brother. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think she loves them both just in different ways. Um, hardships I'd say still are, um, I think it's more John and I not having, we should be empty nesters at this time, you know, but we will never be empty nesters. We just can't take a trip anymore. And just the two of us, our parents are aging. Um, we have to depend on other people. Both our boys have jobs. Um, so just, that independence as a, an adult at age 50 is difficult for us, but we also know that we can't compare ourselves to anybody else. Everyone else's journey, it's different for everybody and they might be going through something else, you know, and we just have to look at the blessings that we have and just be thankful for what we have. You know, we're not going on vacation everywhere, flying all these places because it's easier for Hannah just to have all of her stuff at home, you know, or in one place, diapers and her special food and, you know, her toys and her activities and her iPads. So we got an RV and now we just travel by RV because it's, it makes us happy because we get to get out and see the world or see the United States. But we also get to travel with her and have her experience new places and new things. Um, so like I said, it's, everything has a double edge to it. It's, we get to travel and we get to, it's just not how we expected to travel. Mm -hmm. Um, and it all comes back to expectations. You know, you expect to your kids to graduate high school and go to college and then you to be empty nesters. Well, it's changed. It's not the same expectation as somebody else might have. And that's okay. I loved something that you recently wrote on Facebook about, how you love your Hannah and she's your forever plus one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no matter what. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. No matter where we go or what we do, it's a forever plus one. You know, most parents at this age, 25, you're not paying for caretakers. You know, we're paying someone to, if we want to go out on a date night, we're paying someone. And it's, you know, there's a financial burden that people don't realize that you just think, oh, you're done at 18, you know, but we're not, we're lifelong. <laughs> this is forever. And so if we want a date night or if we want to um, get out, you know, of town for just a night, we will go to Tulsa because my sister lives up there and we can go to a hotel in Tulsa and she can watch Hannah for a night. Um, we just have to be creative with our plus one. <laughs> um, and it's, you don't want to put that burden on your kids either. That's, I think that's what John and I are trying to do is not put the burden on our own kids, let them have their own life and not have the burden of Hannah um, this early on, let them experience life first before they have that. Sure. We don't know what'll happen to us. And, you know, your kids have to step up at that point if something happens to us, which we hope we have lots of life left um, in us. Mm -hmm. So are there special programs and things that people could look into in the area to like help serve in that way? Like, come to your house and babysit or? Um, I think one of the things with um, parenting with special needs is that your child has to be comfortable with the person and they have to be, they have to be comfortable with this population, you know? Sure. Um, and so like a, a church, a uh, church servant for a long time had a program called Hannah's Promise and then COVID took over. We would have respite care once a month for four hours that we could just drop off. And we had the same caretaker every month. And Miss Betty, now volunteers at wings um and hannah gets to see her at wings every week but i think it's very parents are cautious of that just because they don't always feel comfortable with just someone coming into their home and knowing everything um so that's kind of difficult um but yeah it's one of those things that we just know that's part of our budget and that's part of our um long-term care you know um Wings is $800 a month. Um, and most parents think daycare stops when you start school, but ours, you know, starts back up after school. It's just, it's different. You know, you're just living a life that most people don't recognize. And mm -hmm. I think that's a big thing. If you have friends with um, children with special needs, just recognizing that they're going through something hard that's not going to ever end. It's always going to be there. And just you saying, I don't understand how hard it is, but I see how hard you work at this is just, it's, those are big words to tell someone about yeah. um, a parent with special needs. Hmm. Well, maybe some parent. kind of ministry that somebody needs to pick up of like taking care of. Yes. Them. Yeah. There's just, the need is so big. I mean, you know, it, it's, I don't think people realize what this population entails and how many parents you're talking everything from autism mm -hmm. to uh, downs to Hannah's syndrome to all the other syndromes that are out there. Um, there's just such a population and a lot of those um, aren't like our, you know, they can be independent at home for a couple of hours and be okay um, where it's just not safe for Hannah to do that at all. We'll let her go out to the front porch and swing to get away from us. Cause sometimes she wants to do that, but we can still watch her and see her, um, during those moments. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now my mama was a, um, 
school paraprofessional in a multi-handicap classroom for years. So I kind of have a little bit of just watching her do that and big respect for all of that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot. Um, Yeah. Tammy, talk a little bit about how your family has experienced a church meeting your needs, providing for you. I mean, for a family who has a child with special needs, for them to attend worship, for them to be a part of something. I mean, would you talk about that a little bit and what your experience has been? It's been hard, <laughs> to be honest. Um, and I think the hardest part is as Hannah grew older, they churches still expect them to be in a three-year-old classroom, if that makes sense. Um, in a, you know, little chairs, little tables, little toys, you know, it's hard for a church that um, doesn't have experience to understand that this is the only spiritual time I get with my husband because it's not happening at home because we have her with us at all times. Mm-hmm. So, and unless we're getting up early or staying up late, which I haven't even said this, Hannah doesn't sleep through the night. <laughs> so, and I will say she is sleeping through the night now better because John and I don't sleep in the same bed. We, one of us sleeps with her every night and we switch off every night, every other night. So John and I haven't slept together as husband and wife in, oh, I don't, I can't even count, you know, three or four or five years. Um, Because our sleep is more important to us at this point in our life than us having that time together. And um, so for years and years, you know, we were getting up seven, eight times a night with Hannah. So for us to get up early, just to have our quiet time or to spend time together, it wasn't happening. It just, and just to have one-on-one quiet times was a miracle in itself. Um, just trying to fit that in. Um, so churches are not understanding that that is sometimes the only time we get our husband in a spiritual situation. You know, um, we are at a church right now that does a great job programming for adults with special needs. And, um, she has her own classroom. It's the same people in there every week. They're fabulous. Then they have reserved seating in the worship in um, the worship center together that they go as a class and sit and go to church together um, so that we can actually, we go to Sunday school and then we can go to church. Um, and that's just never happened for us before. And it has really changed John and I idea of church, I would say in that someone sees you and recognizes you and what your needs are and says, this is important. And how many parents are staying home because it doesn't work. You know, they can't just take their child to church and the child is screaming or, you know, having to change a diaper or eat or special food or whatever it is. It's, it's difficult to go to church. And so it's just easier to stay home. You know, you know, guy, I mean, if you have young children, how much easier it is to say, I'm just going to stay home today. The baby was up all night. You know, that's what that's like. Well, now we're at age 25, sometimes saying the same things. Um, But we just, we're really thankful for the situation that we're in now and how they just embrace Hannah in that class. And they're just a community. They go out to dinners together. They might go to a movie together. It's just a really, really um, neat situation that we haven't had before. What a lifeline. I love that. Oh, it's great. It's, it's been really good for us. Which church is that? 
we're at crossings, uh, the main campus crossings. Um, it, and we've, I think we've been, it was pre COVID when we probably a year before COVID hit, we started attending crossings because Hannah was now an adult and we needed an adult mm-hmm. class for her. And that's, um, we've learned and some people might say this is wrong, but we've always tried to find a church where our children's needs are met first because we can always meet our needs needs second yeah. supplement. So when we picked a church in Oklahoma city, it was based on our son. You know, when we pick a ch- Hannah's an adult with special needs, that's the church we're picking because we can always supplement and find a place for ourselves. We can't always find a place for Hannah. And so I think that's really important for parents with special needs to really look at somewhere where your needs are going to be met for your child first and then find a place for you. Is that something too that Crossings has that maybe they could, like if other churches wanted to start a program like that, they could reach out and be like, how are oh, you doing this? Yeah, I think there's, um, actually, I think Quell Springs Baptist now has a, um, I don't know if they're doing adults, but they are doing high school now. And their program is really strong. And um, Church of the Servant did um, has some programming too, so there are some churches that are doing it, but yeah, um, the family that leads that class at Crossings is just, um, says such a heart for those adults and it's so beautiful to watch. And about uh, public school, it's Hannah's experience was not finished when she was 18, right? Doesn't public school go older than 18? <laughs> yes. So you can go to age um, 21. Um, and, but we were in Edmond schools and at, at that time, Edmond would not, as if you finish senior year, you were out. Oh, wow. So we, um, thank goodness we had held Hannah back a couple of years. So she graduated age 20. Um, she could have gone two more years. Um, but Edmund had some specific rules about that. She met all the graduation requirements according to them. Um, so she graduated now they have some parents have really pushed back and now they're extending that, which thank goodness for that. Yeah. Cause according to the state, it is like, it's well, national federal law is that yes. Um, but we are, we were able to go right into wings. And so I'm so thankful for that. You know, it was the perfect time and God's hand was on it. And there was an open spot when Hannah graduated and we moved right into wings and um, she hasn't looked back. Wings has, I mean, she has grown I didn't know she could grow anymore and she has grown tremendously through that program. And I think it is probably because they are focusing on life skills. Uh, They have expectations as far as behavior and attitude and um, what you're supposed to accomplish each day. And so in a Christian environment, that's the most, the beautiful thing about it is that they're all, their mission is um, biblically focused and, you don't find that very often, um, for this population. I'm wondering if we have listeners that maybe are friends of parents who have special needs, or maybe they are going through a similar life that you have, and they're just, just starting out. I don't know, but I would just like to ask you, what encouragement would you like to give for a for parents out there who are, maybe they're just now finding out, this is the week they found out that they're dealing with the same syndrome that Hannah has or something different. What would you like to tell them? 
Um, I would like to tell them that your child is fearfully and wonderfully made. I mean, just it's what I went back to over and over is Psalm 139. That's the first thing I would tell them is that um, this was not an accident. Um, I would also like to tell them God does not give children like this to special people. And that is something that we hear all the time. And it's infuriating because he does give these children to bad people. Um, because we have sin in the world, um, I, there are kids that are with special needs that are in really bad abusive homes. Um, so we have to think about our words that we're saying to special needs parents. <laughs> um, it's probably one of the biggest things that gets under my skin as a believer that God gave me this child specifically because I could handle it. No, I can't. I cannot handle this. And a new parent needs to hear that. You know, you cannot handle this without God. Um, I don't know how parents do this and have a strong marriage and have strong children and have a strong family bond without Christ. Um, he has to be your focus. He has to be your center. Um, because when I'm down and out and I am exhausted and I am sick and she's sick and I can't go to my room and, you know, heal, he's the only one that's healing me. He's the only one that's pushing me. And he's the only one that's giving me the perseverance and the endurance and energy to get through this. Um, so those are the first things I would tell them. Um, also I will tell them not to read everything on the internet and compare yourself to other parents and children. Um, I am so thankful we didn't have the internet way back then. Um, because I got to learn Hannah from Hannah I did not learn Hannah from what Facebook said or what this article said, or, you know, what this parent group said, I got to experience her just day by day, hour by hour, not comparing her to anybody else. And so I didn't know that, you know, I knew she was behind, but I didn't know what that meant compared to other children with her syndrome, you know? So I was just living and just pushing her and doing therapy with her because that was the right thing to do. Um, and I didn't have to turn back the next day and look at Facebook and say, Oh, but my child's not doing that yet. Um, mm. I just don't compare, um, just let them push them and have expectations for them. Um, and just treat them like you would your other child. Obviously there's, adjustments you have to make with that. We were watching videos the other day. Um, we're having all our videos converted. So we were watching the old videos and John and I just looked at each other and said, how did she survive? Mac was uh, literally carrying her around, jumping on the bed with her. I mean, I don't know how she lived, but we just let them be siblings, you know, this normal stuff. I remember one time in the car we were driving and he was like, Hannah called me stupid. And I was like, Mac, Hannah can't talk. Well, she did. She called me stupid. And I'm just thinking that was normal sibling behavior. You know, we recognized that he was feeling normal sibling things. Something was supposed to be happening with his sibling. And so he was going to make it up no matter what. So let them live their life. Just don't compare them with everybody else. That's good. It's good stuff. Yeah, it's really good. Well, thank you so much for sharing with us today. Absolutely. Yes. It's been a joy. Um, we always love to share and, you know, we're, if there is a parent out there that wants, 
wants to reach out to us, we are always open. We've um, sounding board or just guidance. Um, we're just really open to that. So after we finish recording, we'll ask you what methods you would like and then whatever you tell us, we'll put that in the show notes for any listeners who would like to be able to say, I need to reach out to Tammy. I would like to talk to her about this. So sounds great. And when you say that your motto in life, you and John like to talk about is live like, live life like Hannah. Um, What are some of those, what are some of those descriptors of that living life like Hannah? Um, never stopping, um, never telling you, you can't, um, joy, finding joy in anything. Um, whether that's going on a walk, um, or, you know, going to wings or school as she calls it, just finding joy in that. Um, we just get so used to the mundane just over and over and over and she finds joy in everything. And, um, and then loving people, she honestly does not know hate. She does not know that you are supposed to dislike other people. And I think it's a perfect example of Christ in that I think her heart is probably the closest to Christ that I've ever seen and that she can't find dislike in people. She can't find hate in people and that she only loves. And she might tell you no and be ornery about things, but she ultimately is going to give you a hug and love you. And it's a really beautiful sight to see. Wow. Well, thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Thank you so much for being with us. Love doing it. Thank you for this awesome story. (laughs) Thanks for listening, everyone. We are really glad you were here today tuning into Afraid Not. We are so glad to be back. We took a little hiatus this summer and we've had one episode since, but we're so glad to be back with you guys. Um, I just think we just need to take this episode and remember to live like Hannah and have joy and love for other people and be excited when we see them. And also we need to remember and think about the parents when they're going through something like that. And maybe if you're at a church and that's something that God's laid on your heart through this, maybe think about a ministry for that and helping take care of those ki- those adults and kids and um, giving those parents some time to go to church together. Something that Tammy reminded us today in her story is that Psalm 139 says that each of us is fearfully and wonderfully made. And so whether we have our own life or our children's life, like we expected, a certain amount of like a, a health that we thought was going to be the case, or whether it's a different thing and we had to really change our expectations. Tammy has just held firm to that promise from God that everyone is fearfully and wonderfully made. And so that's such a great reminder today for our lives, for our children, for the people that we know in our world, and that there's joy in not comparing our children with other, you know, Tammy talked about the, um, she did not have Facebook telling her what the children with Anna syndrome were doing at that stage or that age or it was Hannah behind or whatever she just accepted Hannah for who she was so I love that and I think that's a little piece of wisdom all of us can learn from today and so thanks for listening and we'll be back with you in two weeks 